It was 50 years ago next April when rock music was changed by a song. The songwriter explains the story behind the song he wrote. I was going through a really difficult time. It was late in the Beatles' career, and I was sensing that we were breaking up. So I was staying up late at night, drinking, doing drugs, clubbing, the way a lot of people were at the time. I was really living and playing hard. The other guys were all living in the country with their partners. But I was still a bachelor in London. I was exhausted. That's when Paul McCartney goes to bed and has a dream. Somewhere between deep sleep and insomnia, he says, I had the most comforting dream about my mother. She died when I was only 14. She had been a nurse, my mom, and very hardworking because she wanted the best for us. At night when she came home, she would cook, so we didn't have a lot of time together. But she was just a very comforting presence in my life. And when she died, one of the difficulties I had as the years went by, with each year, I had difficulty recalling her face. It began to fade more and more over the years. So in this dream, 12 years later, my mother appeared. There was her face, completely clear, particularly her eyes. And she said to me very gently, very reassuredly, let it be. It was lovely. I woke up with a great feeling. It was really like she had visited me at this very difficult point in my life. And gave me this message, be gentle, don't fight things, just try and go with the flow, it'll all work out. So, being a musician, I woke up, went right over to the piano, and started writing a song. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. Mary was my mother's name. Speaking words of wisdom, let it be. There will be an answer. When all the brokenhearted people living in the world agree, there will be an answer. Let it be. Not very long after that dream, he continues, I got together with Linda, which was the saving of me. And it was as if my mom had sent her, you could say. These days, the song has become almost like a hymn. People would lean out of cars and trucks and say, yo, Paul, let it be. So those words are very special to me. Because not only did my mom come to me in a dream, reassure me with them in a difficult part of my life, but, well, sure enough, things did get better after that. But in putting them to a song, it became a comforting, healing statement for other people, too. Let it be. Those words changed musical, the musical world. They've been changing the world for some time now. There's something about that affirmation about saying, let it be, saying yes when faced with a challenge, with an opportunity, when faced with the simple chance to live and fight for another day, to say, let it be, yes, that changes you. The Advent story begins with those words. It would not have begun without those words. Let it be. Let it be to me according to your word, words spoken by that first Mother Mary, a woman who had every reason and probably should have said no way, no how. One night, she had a dream. 
The angel Gabriel whooshes into her room and offers an opportunity to not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great. will be called the Son of the Most High. We know the backstory to all of this. Tradition tells us that she was young, very young, her whole life still ahead of her. She was betrothed to an older man, Joseph. She was simple, poor, a Jewish girl in a small, forgotten village of Nazareth. Oh, and she was a virgin. Luke tells us three times she was a virgin. How can this be? She asked the angelic visitor, since I am a virgin, how can this be? And the angel responds with six startling words. Nothing will be impossible with God. Six startling words. That's all it took to change Shonda Rhimes' life. She writes about it in her recent memoir, Year of Yes. It was Thanksgiving 2013. Shonda is the youngest of six children, none of whom were impressed with her great fame. Rhimes is the creator of shows such as Grey's Anatomy and Scandal, a prolific television producer who's paved the way for women of color in the industry. But to her family, she's baby Shonda. Every so often, she writes, she tries to fish out some praise from all these siblings of hers to humble brag enough to get one of them to be impressed with all her many accomplishments. It's still yet to happen, she says, but that's what she was doing again that Thanksgiving day. Mom had handed off all the responsibilities of the family traditions to the siblings. And she's preparing a meal with her oldest sister, Dolores, 12 years older than her. The two of them bookending the children. And she was talking on and on about about all these invitations that just keep coming up. People wanting her to, to come and to speak, to give an honor, to make some, get, receive some uh, presentation, to attend high profile events. She expected her sister to stop, toughing the stuffing, stop stuffing the turkey and say, wow, Shonda. That's so impressive. But instead, her sister pauses, looks at her and asks, are you going to do any of those things? Shonda says she was a little taken aback, maybe even offended. I think you missed the point. She said, it's not about doing these things. I, I could do them. I could do them. Your sister, I have all these opportunities. But, but, you know, she starts giving excuses. I mean, how could I? I'm a single mom. I have two kids. I work three, three jobs, three TV shows at once. I have a lot to do, too much to do. I'm exhausted. And Dolores listens to her excuses and then returns to cutting up the onions and mutters six words. You never say yes to anything. Six startling words that Shonda says her sister just tosses out there like a grenade in the middle of Thanksgiving. Shonda writes, that's the beginning, the origin of it all. My sister Dolores said six startling words, and now I have become a different person. The rest of her book journals a year where she tried every opportunity to say yes. She started saying yes to help. To opportunity, to herself, to her own power. And this morning is a new beginning for us, an opportunity. For Christians, Advent is the beginning of the year. The calendar 
for us won't change in 31 more days, but our liturgical clocks reset this morning. As we enter again into the story, we will sing familiar songs, light the candles, hear the ancient story, and everything will change. Or will it? The first Sunday of Advent is always my favorite. If you haven't noticed, for the last oh, six Advents, well, we missed that first Advent, didn't we, Kate? Yes, to have a baby. But those other five, well, I picked the songs that Advent too. Every Advent we've been here. We've always begun with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, usually followed by the song we will sing in a moment, Come, O Long Expected Jesus. They're two of my favorites. They're the only true Adventy hymns in our hymnal, these hymns that speak of longing and expectation of hope. Hope that Christ will come again. Hope that the world will change. Hope that this time, this year, everything will change. The songs are always the same, but the stories we read on these Sundays often will vary. It seems odd, starting with Mary. Her story is often reserved for the end, at least the fourth Sunday of Advent at at the earliest, or Christmas Eve at best. But this year we start here. We start with her the Holy Mother. Maybe her story is the one we need to hear most this Advent. Because without her story, well, the rest of the story would not be here. The season, the songs, the candles, none of it. Because she said, yes, let it be to me according to your word. Everything changed. But will it happen again? We can hear Paul McCartney's story of a dream that changed his life. His own mother, Mary, whispering, let it be, as he wakes up, receives hope, and steps into the next stage of his life. We can hear Shonda Rhimes' story of her sister waking her up and saying yes after saying no so many times. Perhaps you've already stopped listening to me and are thinking of your own story, of all the times you've been asked to do something, to lead that committee or help with that project, join that church, coach that team, go on that trip, take that break, take that class, receive that opportunity, help this person in that way. Maybe you have your go-to list of excuses too. How can this be, Mother Mary whispers, and we know her words well. How can this be for, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too inexperienced, I'm too experienced, too busy, too tired, too unavailable. How can this be? There's a thousand reasons to say no. But how many reasons are there to say yes? Mary didn't have to say yes. She could have just given a hard no, woken up and gone on with her life that was all ahead of her. She could have said, well, wait, wait a few years, come back. Let me grow up a little bit. I've got a few things to learn before I settle into giving birth to God in this world. It's a great opportunity. I'm just not ready. Not yet. Not now. She didn't have to say yes, but she did. With Advent, the season changes. But what else changes? Well, that depends on our answer. The 13th century mystic Meister Eckhart once wrote, we are all meant to be mothers of God, for God is always needing to be born. Who knows, maybe Gabriel's still whooshing in while we sleep and dream, offering us, every one of us, 
the chance to bring God into our world. Every one of us, mothers of God, every one of us, an opportunity handed to us, the chance of a lifetime. How will we respond? Which six unexpected words will be spoken of us? You never say yes to anything or nothing will be impossible with God. Now, Mary, faced with her invitation to be the mother of God, said yes, and everything changed. God is always, still, and forever waiting to birth the impossible. What will our answer be?